Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. You're listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast, and I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. Today's episode is an exciting one. I'll be speaking with Adam Flaherty. He lives about mm, three, three to four hours away from me. And my sons were up in Charleston playing soccer. We had a soccer tournament a few weeks back. And I hit up Adam and said, hey, would you mind if we met in person to interview? Because we actually had interviewed on the phone also. But I thought that it would be better if we did it in person. I like to do interviews in person as much as possible because we can kind of vibe off of each other. And uh, it's a more... Sometimes it, sometimes it comes across as a more authentic inter- interview. Uh, I don't want to take away from any other interview where I've done uh, remotely, but uh, it's always a good time to actually sit and talk and mesh with people, uh, interviewing people. Plus, it gave me an excuse to check out his new digs. So he just purchased this house, and you'll hear a little bit of background noise. My sons were there. They had been playing soccer all weekend, so they were impatient, wanted to get home. Uh, and he ha- his son was there. And so you'll hear him inter- every now and then in the interview coming in and out of the house. Uh, there's no furniture in the house, so there's a little bit of an echo also. So it wasn't ideal for sound quality. It probably would have sound better if we had just interviewed remotely like we normally do. But uh, this is more of the authentic feel, maybe, is the, the best way to describe it. But if you know Adam... Or if you've heard of Adam, he is on all of the Facebook groups, uh, whether it's plumbing or HVAC business owners uh, Facebook groups. And people constantly ask him questions because he, he does marketing for the company that he does he works for now. And he always has these crazy ideas that are just off the wall and are really good. And I always try and pick his brain. A lot of people always try and pick his brain. So... I thought it would be an awesome idea if we just had him on the podcast and shared some of his knowledge. He's not a business owner anymore. Uh, He was, and he kind of shares a a little bit about that in our interview. So we're not going to go after like the business owner uh, side of things as much as we are kind of like marketing stuff, marketing on Facebook and, and that type of things, because that's where he's really been successful. And it's funny because a lot of people would assume that he's this awesome graphic designer and all this other stuff. And uh, he, he explains a little bit about how you don't have to be the best graphic designer. You don't have to be the best at all these different things and still have a very successful social media presentation, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> so let's get started with this episode. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam Flaherty. are here at your new digs. Uh, I just happened to be up here for a soccer tournament with one of my sons and uh, reached out to you and was like, hey, I'm going to be in Charleston. Are you available by chance so we can talk? And uh, of course, you moved your schedule around for me. You came to an empty house that we're remodeling um, and then used my toilet before I ever got to use it. I did. So real fast, um, what, so you find humor in a lot of things. You twist a lot of things around to make them humorous. How is, is that natural for you or is that something that you have to work on or, because if there's a comment that comes along, it's like, well, where's Adam? Cause he's going to be here and it's going to be. Some smart alley comment. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, we all get bored just hearing the same thing over and over. So the question was, how do you say the same thing in a more humorous way? But yeah, growing up, I tried to, you know, be the, the class clown and the smart aleck. And uh, ultimately, it got me into a bunch of trouble and then eventually got me out of a bunch of trouble. So I just went with what I naturally had. Um, I didn't get to... Just being my- witty. Yeah, I mean, when I graduated high school, I was five five and a buck twenty five, so I didn't have any type of 
natural uh, advantage there. Mm -hmm. So I just used the uh, the wittiness that I had. Hey, bud, what's up? Oh, the, the truck? No, you can just set those right here. My son bringing these shin guards in. Go outside and play. Um, so is sales kind of natural to you or do you find sales difficult or when like ironically when i first uh got out of high school i actually did door-to-door -door sales for an alarm system company yeah um and sales came natural as long as i could believe in the product and believe in the thing that we were doing uh -huh. but um ultimately serving people i think comes more natural and with serving people correctly sales naturally happen with it so i don't see sales as a bad word but i see the desire to serve people um, far more advantageous for you in order to create sales long term yeah no i agree with that 100 percent. i i understand the stigma with the word sales in our industry, um, whether it's plumbing, air conditioning, electricity, electricity, electricians, um, any kind of service business, if you come across as like a white collar company, it's, it's very, you know, you, you can get labeled really quickly, I feel like, um, but without sales, you're you know you got a business yeah so it's kind of a catch-22 there like do you rename it so it doesn't it's not sales <laughs> um ironically yeah i i had one of our plumbers come to me about a month ago and he's like man i'm almost close to hitting bonus i was like don't worry about bonus mm -hmm. worry about serving people if you serve people the opportunities will be there and they'll be there time after time again for you um so while I understand the, the sale is definitely needed, mm -hmm. I think as long as you're taking care of people, today may not be the opportunity for you to create that sale for that customer. Right. But as long as you've served them correctly, they're gonna call you back, you're going to have an opportunity again. Yeah, so I was doing a ride along last week or the week before last. Uh, I have a new technician that's super green and our lead tech went to a class up in Atlanta um, at this uh, ATA Academy, um, what is his name? Um, Jerry Hall. Jerry Hall. Okay. So you know, are you familiar with Jerry yes. Hall? You've seen, you've seen his name. I'm sure you've seen his name, if nothing else. But um, so he has a he's putting on a school. He started up a school for his business, um, so they can hire people and train them in house to work. And so he's starting to um allow outside people to come to that same class anyways long story one of my techs was there and so he's the guy that would normally train our new guys so i was riding around with the with a new guy and that day we i think we sold twenty eight hundred dollars and it was nothing there was no sales involved it was just offering parts you know hey i've noticed these issues and they're like okay we'll get it you know get it taken care of and go from a $200 average service ticket to a $550 average service ticket um, just by mentioning the things that are actually wrong that we take for granted because of our mindsets as a technician. Uh, it's easy for us to say, um, you know, I can fix that later or it's not an immediate cause. You know, it may fail in six months or stuff like that. And uh, we take for granted that people are bringing us to their home to prevent that stuff from happening. So they you know, they don't understand that uh, it may or may not fail. If there's a chance that it'll fail, they want it taken care of now. You know, as a technician, I find like, I feel like most of us can fall into a rut to where we're like, um, you know, it's not absolute, if it's, if it's not needed right this moment, then we're ripping them off if we change it out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I, I had that I had that problem when I first started uh, the, the company I started, and that was I wanted to be the super tech that came in there and I saved you all this money and mm -hmm. you know I didn't take advantage of you and I didn't right. sell you stuff you didn't need. 
And it was brought to my attention that ultimately, sometimes you're doing a disservice by doing that. Um, just because we see it as a five minute fix, and correct with those uh, of us that have a skill set and the, um, the machinery and equipment mm -hmm. readily available, it's a five minute fix. Yeah. But for a customer, that's half a day. Because by the time that we show up, get it taken care of, and then go back to the rest of their day, they've lost half a day. So we're doing a disservice by not bringing it to their attention that, hey, this is a potential issue that you need to be prepared for. If nothing else, you're doing them a disservice by not allowing them the opportunity to prepare for it. Or to say no. Yeah. yeah. You're, making, you're saying no for them. Uh, that's something that Justin, when he came back from that class uh, of Jerry's Halls, <laughs> that's one of the things that he mentioned was uh, don't say no for the customer. You know, that's one of the big things that they pushed there. Like let, let the, let the client or the customer say no, don't, don't say no for them. So, uh, that's really cool. So I guess that's a good transition. You mentioned the company that you started, um, kind of fill us in on, on that whole, um, experience starting a business and, um, going through and, and selling it or going through acquisition type thing. Gotcha. Um, I worked for um, a couple of local companies, one national chain around here. And that's doing? Uh, plumbing. Yeah. I owned a, a strictly plumbing company. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I, I can't tell you the difference between a compressor and a capacitor. <laughs> or, I don't really know these things. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I, I, don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to work on them every day, so our customers are safe by me not coming to them. Um, but I started a little plumbing company. Um, over the course of about four to five years, I grew it to three trucks. Um, we kept it completely debt free. Um, so I strongly recommend if you can stay out of debt. Um, when we left the supply house, we literally left there owing them zero dollars. And my supply houses love me for that. Oh, yeah. you, you can get a discount, mm -hmm. um, especially if you start telling them, hey, I'll pay, I'll swipe a debit card every time. If you'll you know, save us that extra two and a half percent from the, uh, the credit, credit card, card fees. Yeah. Um, and we hardly ever took anything back. So don't be one of those people that orders $500 worth of stuff and then you bring $300 of it back. They have to restock it. They don't like that either. So grew the little plumbing company. Um, and I, I started getting to a point where I couldn't train people. I realized where I failed as a business owner. And this is something that's really hard for all of the super techs out there that start their own company to, to understand. And that is the guy you worked for previously may not have actually been ripping people off. <laughs> he may have actually been charging what was needed in order to pay for all of your benefits, all of your salary, the office salary, the parts runner salary, the, the cost of overhead of the, uh, the shop, all of the equipment, yeah, the, the office trucks. itself. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the, the time and material that we as techs often look at. And their hour. Yeah, their, your hour, like, oh, I'm getting paid $20 an hour. I'm getting paid $30 an hour. Why are we, why am I billing out this capacitor for $125? It took me five minutes to put it on there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we get that, that conversation happens a lot and, and with the service techs. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I did like a lot of people do, which is almost, I don't know any business owners that didn't do some type of extracurricular work, side work, whatever you want to call it, uh, before they got started. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where I was working about 15, 20 hours a week on nights and weekends. And I was making more than what I was making on my, uh, weekly paycheck. So I convinced the wife into uh, letting me start up a little plumbing company, told her that oh, I was going to have all this free time and that, <laughs> um, yeah, you're laughing because you know what the, the, the end story to that is, which is your time goes away pretty quickly once yeah. you start getting successful. Um, but about four or five years later, I got to a point where I just couldn't handle the business anymore. So I actually reached out to people seeing who would be interested in purchasing the company. What I didn't realize was I had business. I didn't have a company. And so you had that job. It was a job and, yes. and it wasn't, 
It wasn't a sellable company or a, a, a business a business plan. Yeah, in, in all actuality, I mean, we had a couple of people that were interested, yeah. but as far as a turnkey opera, operation, absolutely not. I didn't get that multiple, that three, four, five time multiple that everybody talks about. That's all you hear, and that's what oh, that's yeah. the that's the dollar signs you see. Yeah. Uh, whenever you t- you're on Facebook and people are like, um, "How much? What am I? How much can I sell my business for?" You know, last year I grossed five hundred thousand, or I grossed two hundred fifty thousand. Should I be getting five times that or three times that? Like, uh, negatory on that one, there, Ghost Rider. We were doing 800,000, by the time we sold, we did $800,000 last year. Um, But here's what I did wrong. I bought four brand new trucks and about $30,000 worth of equipment the year prior. So when you go and look at my P&L statement, it shows I didn't make any money, which I didn't want to pay taxes, so I spent as much as I could. Right. The problem is that when you go to sell, people are looking at it like, you didn't make any money. Your business isn't worth anything. It's worthless. Exactly. Yeah, if you're planning on selling your business, I mean, this is a different kind of conversation, but three years out, you know, pay taxes. Yep. Pay as much taxes as you can possibly pay. And that's the that's the honest truth right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to pay $100,000 a year mm-hmm. just in taxes alone if you can. Um, we had we had three different offers. Um, we had one company that basically offered me what the cost of equipment that I had was, and they were going to give me $100 a week to use my license to open up a plumbing division. Um, yeah, that one wasn't very advantageous, so I immediately denied that one. The other one we had, we had an offer from a gentleman who said that he would give me 10% of everything my phone number created for the first year, 8% for the second year, and 5% for the third year. Which, if somebody buys your company and rolls it into theirs, you're no longer advertising the original company, so therefore your your sales volume and your call volume is going to go down uh, pretty dang quickly. Yeah. So to me, it was basically he got a free business and he only paid me if it created anything for him. So we we ex that one. Um, the the offer that I accepted, while I can't tell you how much it was, it wasn't anywhere close to what I thought I was going to get. It wasn't anywhere close to what all these experts told me that I was going to get because I didn't have. A, I didn't have something that somebody could come in and say, hey, I'm John, I'm the new boss, everybody go about their day. Right. And that's what people want when they buy a company. Um, for instance, if you wanted to buy a McDonald's, okay, you don't go in there planning on running the fryer. You plan on going in there telling everybody, hey, I'm the new owner, and then you, you leave or do whatever else you want to do. Yeah, this is your, your GM's the same. Yep. You're, you're still same pecking order. I'm just the, the person signing your checks now. Exactly. Um, and the, the guy who bought my company uh, made a, he's the one that told me, he said, you have a lot of business, but you don't have a company uh, versus the people they originally purchased. It was a legitimate company that didn't have any business. So the way I convinced them was the last six months I was in business, I told them, let me give you all of my excess leads. These are the jobs that I didn't want. Of course, you know, you're going to cherry pick if you have first opportunity. So they did $35,000 the November uh, before they purchased me in just the excess stuff that I couldn't get to and I didn't want. Mm. And when they started seeing how much they were getting just from that, they realized, hey, there's quite a bit of business that we can get from this. And the advantage for them is they didn't need a shop. They already had one. They didn't need office staff. They, everything that I was lacking mm-hmm. wasn't a concern for them because they already had it in place. But it, they had the, they but it had means that they didn't, weren't going to pay me for it either, though. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the technicians, they had, so all of the excess work, did you turn it away because you didn't have the technicians? Mm-hmm. And so they had the, the excess amount of technicians so they could handle that additional workload. So they, in turn, wouldn't have to turn that, exactly. that work away. Okay. Yeah. Um, then they brought me in to run the marketing department, which mm-hmm. is what I really wanted to do. What I found is I was great at making the phone ring and building trust with consumers. What I wasn't good at was training people and understanding the true cost of business. I was still under that mindset that, you know, I can't charge, you know, $700 for a toilet. I'm going to be ripping people off. But by the time you get done paying for everybody's benefits and their overtime and their paid holidays, their vacation pay, their uniforms, 
you're you're not making much money at seven hundred dollars for a toilet to be at, to be completely <laughs> fair. Right. Um, you see the the cheapest toilet at, at Home Depot or Lowe's, like that's like sixty nine dollars or whatever yeah. the cheapest toilet you can possibly find is, and you're like seven hundred dollars for sixty nine dollar toilet, and then you. It's not even, you're not comparing apples to apples nope. at all. <laughs> um, and so the, one of the, 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 the sale and the offer of employment were completely separate from one another, mm. but at the same time they were together, meaning gotcha. they, while they were interested in the company, they were more interested for me to come over and run the marketing department, uh, especially the social side. Was it, so was it more like a, um, here's a job offer with a bonus? Correct. The bonus was we're going to take all of your workload off of you and not debt because it was a debt-free company. Yep. But um, so would you have been in a better situation had you had debt? No, no. Um, because we, we bought all those vans and everything with profit. We didn't, we didn't use profit to pay off the vans. We used profit to straight up buy them. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have been better off had I just kept older vehicles and a bunch of money in the bank to where it looked like, hey, we made uh, $250,000 in net income in our IPIDA after everything. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, I spent it all because I didn't want to pay taxes because I hate the government. Um, <laughs> I don't really hate the government. I just, I don't like their unfair rules because I don't remember signing a contract agreeing to pay all these taxes either. <laughs> For people who are yeah. not very good at budgeting, if, if, it was a, if it was a business, how long would it last? How long, how well would it be run before you would have to sell it because it's a job? Well, that's why we, our, our state parks, I mean, our uh, national parks are owned by other countries right now. Uh, luckily, they just haven't came to, you know, foreclose on Yellowstone. Collect on that. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I was given an opportunity and what I looked at was I wasn't selling a business. Mm -hmm. I was getting rid of all the headache that I had created for myself by not building a business correctly, by not building systems in place. Do you feel like that that was worth it? Like, do you ever think back and, and regret the sale itself? Because I know that, I, I, well, I don't know. I feel like just interacting with you and seeing you on social media that you seem pretty happy with what you're doing. Um, but when you're a business owner, there's this sense of freedom and there's this sense of like, um, well, ownership, for lack of better words, like it's yours, it's your baby. And um, is there ever a time where that you regret not having that same sensation? Um, is it worth it, the, the not having the headache? Um, the, the only thing that I really miss is the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I wanted. And what I mean by that is if I want to put out this thing that's slightly controversial, I just put it out. Oh, you mean like social media wise yeah. or whatever? Or okay. uh, on marketing side, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of miss interacting with customers on a daily basis. Um, but then you get those uh, those really pain in the butt customers. And then I'm so glad it's somebody else's problem. Like, hey, service manager, not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Have fun. Um, but for the most part, uh, every time I look back um, and I think about it, nah. Um, I... I started plumbing when I was 30. I'm 37 now. In seven years, I went from um, behind on a mortgage on a house that was upside down, didn't have any money, didn't have any skills, to I now own one house. We just bought another house. Um, this is a nice house too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because we're, we're, this house that we're standing in right now is 1,400 square feet smaller than our other house. And then we're having another house built right around the corner from here. Well, dang. Um, so Sounds like I need a job where you're at. <laughs> uh, well, the, the trick is to buy a company, go through a, a, a slanderous lawsuit, win your lawsuit, sell the company. Oh, I forgot about that, too. Yeah. You had to deal with that, too. Yeah, that was fun. Um, about uh, three years into business, um, we're, we're starting to rock and roll. I mean, we're hitting it hard. We went from twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month to breaking six figures a month. And we're, we're, everything is exactly where we need it to be. We've got uh, people in place, we've got equipment in place, and then all of a sudden here comes a competitor who's mad that we use the term highest rated plumbing company in Charleston on a billboard. So he sends um, an email to the billboard company, threatening to sue the billboard company. Uh, he threatened to sue me. 
Um, he left me. Well, how is that even the case? Because you could be the highest rated on Facebook, or you could be the mm -hmm. highest rated on Charleston Now magazine, or something. You know, you, it could be anything there that you were the highest rated. The the way I ascertained this was the amount of reviews that we had and the quality of reviews that we had. And when we looked at just plumbing companies, we had. Um, at one point, when I began doing it, I think we were right around 200 reviews and we were 100% five-star rated upon every platform. Angie's List, Facebook, Yelp, Google, didn't matter, wherever you went, five-star rated. And by the time we ended, we ended with um, three or 400 reviews and the only negative review we had was a single B and that was it. Everything else was A's and five stars. Um, except for when we went through this period of time where uh, the gentleman decided that he was going to write negative reviews uh, in every platform that he could, both in his name as well as aliases. And Didn't he have like office staff doing it too or something? No, no I remember. he had his something office staff weird. writing himself positive reviews. Oh, that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, it was okay. amazing when you see the negative review by this fake account and then you see the positive review to his company in the same fake account and the wording is exactly the same as what he had put on another review. Um, but by the time it was all said and done, this <laughs> ended up costing his homeowner's insurance $125,000. To settle with us. So, Why wow, homeowner's insurance? Uh, your homeowner's insurance will cover your slander and libel um, things that you do. Oh, so, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't have any money, at least not that we were aware of, right. but uh, the homeowner's insurance uh, covered it. So if you have a competitor who's being a giant a-hole to you, uh, see if they own a home. And if they do, um, have your lawyers go after it. And also, if you're going to be the giant a-hole, don't own a home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that doesn't do you any good because then you're just going to get judgment against you. Um, so if you ever make money, you're, you're going to lose it. Exactly. So the, we, uh, basically, in about a three-week period of time, we settled the lawsuit, sold the business, paid off the house, became debt-free house and everything. Wow. And that was our goal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a really... That's a cool goal to have. I mean, obviously, that's, I would say that's probably everybody's goal, but who actually works towards actually getting it accomplished? Well, th that, when I started the business, that was the, the number one goal. Uh, so that's the reason why you wanted to start the business, yeah. is to do that. Yeah, I wanted to be debt-free house. And I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. I'm a giant nerd. Um, and the, the opportunity to be debt-free house and everything, to know that when I go home, um, I don't have to worry about you know, making the mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. um, it's literally at a point now where I could drive for Uber and be perfectly fine. I could take every skill set that How I have. How stress-free is that life? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. The, and it's not as weird because I have, I know some people who have this mindset because we've joked about this in the past. Um, it, it's like, so I could live in a single wide trailer and pay it off and be debt-free when I'm 30, 35, 37. Uh, but... I have an expensive taste, so to be debt-free and have nice things uh, is impossible. But you've obviously proven that wrong. So, uh, uh, I had a bunch of crappy things along the way. <laughs> um, when my wife and I first got together, I was driving this 1995 BMW that um, it had a toggle switch to turn the radio off. Um, you would yes. shut the door and the door would fall down. Yes, that's And awesome. I'm not sure why my wife, I, I guess she thought I was a fixer-upper or something because, man, we didn't, we didn't have anything going for us. Um, but no, I mean, we made the sacrifices and yeah. that's really what it took. I drove, the first truck I drove, I drove it for two years, it had no heat. Which, Charleston, not that big of a deal except for when it's 6, 7 o'clock at night. The sun's going down. You're in that 30s or 40s. Yeah. You're wet. You're freezing. It's, that, it's the wet cold, too. That's yes. like bone-chilling cold. Um, and I drove it for two years. Then I upgraded to a slightly newer truck that, again, the person selling to me didn't tell me it didn't have any heat. Um, so for four years, I drove trucks with no heat um, during the uh, wintertime. I, I didn't go on vacation for the longest time. We didn't go out to eat. Um, no it, racking up debt on the credit cards. No, it was yeah. really, I would go and I'd go install a water heater for, you know, at this time, I think I was charging like 775 bucks. Mm. Um, the cost of materials was around 300. 
I took the 475 and then immediately went into the next job. Or I started buying equipment and tools. And when you're operating debt free and you've got money in the bank, um, you can take advantage of really killer deals when they come along. Yeah, yeah. Some people will be like, hey, um, you know, I'm really I just getting out of the industry or something. Yep. And, you know, all of this for 500 bucks or, you know, and it could be thousands of dollars worth of tools and they just want to get rid of it. You have $500 cash. Here you go. The first sewer camera, it took me three years to find one, but I bought a sewer camera that it had been used maybe five times by an HVAC company that attempted to open up a plumbing division. That didn't work out for them. I think they spent $7,000 on the sewer camera. I bought it for 800 bucks. Wow. Because again, I had cash and I looked out for the opportunity. So if you, if I couldn't have done that with a credit card. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is if you're staying out of the debt game, you're going to spend your money much more wisely. Yeah. Um, I love the guy who says that he went from zero to 13 trucks in two years. And I'm like, how much debt are you in, man? I mean, what type of... How do you sleep? I mean, are you sleeping good at night? Yeah. You know, yeah that's going to be stressful. I mean, unless you're bringing in the cash. I mean, if you're really racking in the money and you, you're taking full advantage of it, you know, I could I could see it being not as stressful, but... That's a that's a huge stress stressor there. Yeah, you're one month of one bad month away from bankruptcy. Yeah, very the, easily. Yeah. The advantage that I had is at any point in time I could have shut down shop, gone to work for somebody else, and not owe anything. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a there's a lot of uh, opportunities when it comes to living the debt free life, but you're going to make sacrifices along the way. Yeah, uh, you're not going to drive nice cars for a couple of years. Um, but in all honesty, they all depreciate so dang badly that I've got a nice car sitting out front right now. And I'm like, man, mm -hmm. I look at how much I'm paying in taxes on that stupid thing. I look at how much it's going to depreciate from one year to the next. And I'm like, man, that's a retirement fund right there. Very true. Very true. Um, so transitioning over into the social media, because that's kind of what everybody picks your brain on. Yeah. And you get... <laughs> I would, I see comments all the time where people are asking you about social media. Um, you're always there. Like you, you have some sort of magic, uh, sensor that whenever something crazy goes on, uh, well, Adam will be here in just a minute <laughs> to put his, put in his advice, his two cents. Uh, Steven, Christopher, a mutual friend of ours, he, uh, <laughs> he's always commenting and he always, it's always funny to hear him. Uh, bringing you into conversations um, about social media. Uh, so a little bit about social media. Are you, are you just doing, maybe, maybe this is an important question for service businesses. Um, is LinkedIn important, Twitter important, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, all there's all, what's up? Um, there's a whole bunch of them that are just, popping up all the time. Are you on all of them? Are you using like a, um, a scheduler, like a, um, like a meet Edgar type thing, or are you posting everything manually or, or how's that? How's that? Um, here's a, here's something that's going to blow a bunch of y'all's mind. Uh, I suck with computers. I'm absolute garbage with them. Uh, <clears throat> I, I can kind of attest to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can barely write an email. Okay. Um, I'm not good at utilizing much of anything. What I am good at finding are trends. And when I'm playing on the social media platforms all the time, being able to pick up on what's happening and what people are responding to, whether it's our page or uh, somebody else's page, allows me to jump on that trend as quickly as possible. Now, when it comes to the actual platforms, um, I don't do anything with the Snapchat or WhatsApp. The only thing I really utilize is Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Um, we've attempted to use Twitter and we'll still post on them. So I'm not telling you don't use them. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say don't expect a lot from them necessarily, but if you figure out how to utilize them, let me know because I'm going to steal that from you too. <laughs> um, but build a following wherever you can. Facebook was the easiest one for me to start with. Instagram. So you'll have a huge following on, on Facebook. Uh, how long did it take to uh, get that, that following? Oh, man, a year. Okay. Yeah. So it's not something that, uh, and did you have to pay for that? Like, did you, are, are you having to boost posts or, or strategically create sponsored posts in order to get that 
engagement or did you create such interacting posts that you were able to, um, that people were just naturally drawn to the page? Okay, uh, marketing is a very simple mathematical formula. It's message times audience. That is the easiest way for me to tell it. And that means the stronger your message is and the better audience that you have, the more engagement you're going to get, therefore the more opportunities that will be created. Now, the problem with Facebook is that they charge you money to put it out in front of people, mm -hmm. which is great. I don't have a problem with capitalism, I love it. Um, the, the issue is, is how often do you have to get in front of somebody before a sale is created. In the plumbing world, our average customer was once every three to four years for on average, meaning that when your water heater goes out, guess what, it's eight to 10 years before we're gonna see you for another water heater issue. If your faucet breaks, it's four or five years before we see you again for a faucet. So what I started utilizing was the local groups. Again, I didn't have any money, um, and the money that I did have, I had to be as strategic with it as possible because I didn't have a large supply somewhere else to go into debt um, in order to create opportunities. And what I started noticing was when somebody told me about the local groups, that there was a ton of people out there looking for the exact products and services that we offer without me having to spend a dime. Um, I'm sure if you search your local groups, that you'll notice that people are saying, hey, I'm looking for an HVAC company, I'm looking for a plumber, I need a water heater, uh, my compressor's bad, uh, my unit's low on Freon. There's all of these opportunities out there. But the trick to it is not to just put a post tagging your company. Although tagging your company is important, it will help out um, with giving them the fastest route to get to your page. You, you want to begin engaging with the customer right then. And don't do it with a private message me or I'll send you a private message. Remember that it's not just the person that's looking for your product or service right then. It's the entire audience who's going to come back to that post and see it. You're going to say, <clears throat> somebody was asking about this AC or plumbing company, needing an AC or plumbing company. Um, I need one now. Mm -hmm. So let me find that post really fast and see who everybody recommended. Well, what happens more often than that, because most people don't search anything, is those same people are going to be in that group for months or years. And they're going to see the consistency in which you're recommending yourself or other people begin recommending you. And that's going to build that social proof and build that trust factor with them. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, we, have a comp or we have a page called West Ashley United. Um, it's a West Ashley residence group. Okay. And people go in there and say, hey, I'm looking for a plumber. We're now at the point where out of the 10 people recommending somebody, we're consistently three to four of those recommendations. When we're getting 30 to 40% of the recommendations, then it's not even just about that one time. It's about consistently 30 to 40%, 50%, 60% of recommendations are for this one company. Um, you're going to start remembering that company for when you have a problem. Yeah, top of mind. Yes. Um, and that's how the, the social platform works incredibly well. So this, the, the $2 leads, um, I two would cents work, per impression. Yeah. Like it's crazy the, the way that that's calculated too. Um, yeah. I, I try to go for penny per impression. Okay. Um, I mean, I try to have a decent relevant score, which I think they've recently gotten rid of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I try to have, and, and the, the other thing too is don't market when you need calls. Market yes. all the time. Yes. It is a never-ending thing. The same as recruiting. Um, always be recruiting. Yeah, you're friends with Patrick Aaron Long as well, right? Mm -hmm. And he says always, you know, that always be recruiting because guess what? When you're needing somebody, everybody else is needing somebody too. Yep. So what has differentiated you between now and then? Yep. Um, but yeah, the we use a lot of humor. Um, I'm constantly checking out other people's pages to see how we can turn something into our own. And it's not hard to find what someone else is paying to um, put out there also. Oh, no, no. You it's follow super, the pages and they'll, they'll feed it right to you. Well, it's super simple. Even if, you, if, you, if you're not following the page, if you go to their page and you can click, there's a certain section there that it just lays out their, all of their paid advertising the info just, and ads. Yeah, every it's all sitting right there for anybody to look at that wants to. So uh, if you have somebody that's just really killing it, you can actually look at their stuff. And um, and then if you have a business page, you have 
more analytics on the backside where you can actually see each post engagement uh, from uh, um, Facebook side yeah. of things. So we, it's really weird how much you can see uh, for free if you just put in the time to to actually set your your business profile up correctly. Yep. The the one thing. Um, once you, you get to a point where you're putting out fairly consistent quality content, that's when I would say start moving to other platforms. Stay on one platform first and figure it out and then slowly move to other ones. If Instagram is your thing, figure out Instagram. Whichever one you like the best yourself, start there. It's not necessarily that it's better or worse than any other platform. But you staying engaged with it is better than you getting bored with it because you believe it's not working. So if you're an Instagram person, start there. If you're a Twitter person, go there. Um, Facebook is still the king as of right now. Um, LinkedIn is great for business to business, mm -hmm. but I don't see a lot of engagement there when it comes to advertising to a property owner. Um, I no, see it's, just, it's uh, very much like if you're targeting a restaurant, you're going to target the manager, the GM of that restaurant. That's what LinkedIn's going to get you. Uh, you're not going to get homeowners on LinkedIn. Very rarely will you see homeowners even on LinkedIn unless they're a business owner too. Now, what I would say is, um, again, whichever ones you're, you're more passionate about, definitely go after it. Yeah. But begin sharing to all of them. Um, and don't mm -hmm. forget Google My Business. Mm -hmm. That one is fantastic. A lot of people forget about it. Yep. And you can put out videos on it as well. Mm -hmm. So begin doing all these things that are going to make your SEO company incredibly happy to have you as a client. Um, we use one of the, the, for lack of a better term, the more premier uh, SEO companies uh, is the way that they regard it. I'm not going to necessarily regard it that way. I think they're a decent company. Um, but some months, 20% of our website traffic comes from Facebook, 20%. I mean, we're paying thousands of dollars a month to make sure that our website is. Now, do y'all have, do y'all have Google guarantee here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Google guarantee has, has not done for the HVAC side, what it has for the plumbing side. That's what I've heard. I've heard that. Um, and the problem is, is the amount of keywords that they can use. Mm -hmm. Um, the average consumer knows. AC, air conditioner, some of them might know furnace, some of them might know heat pump, but they're just going to call it a heater. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to remember to think like consumer. a consumer. And the, the word HVAC or the, the acronym HVAC is so rarely used or understood by the consumer. I mean, HVAC is in our name, uh, you know, or HVAC and refrigeration. And People are like, HVAC, HVAC, I feel like that's AC, so it's got to do something with air conditioning. And like, they're just thinking about it, but uh, if, and if you have to explain something to a consumer, you've lost them from the get-go, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, HVAC is definitely not one that you want to be ranking high for. I mean, that's not your goal target. I mean, if you're ranking high for everything else, then go after it, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other thing, too, is um, when... When the LSA moves into an area, you're paying. And the LSA is the Google, the Google Guaranteed. Guaranteed. For the, those who are listening that might not know what that yeah. is. The LSA is the local service ads. Mm -hmm. The Google Guaranteed is the same thing, except for it has the green check mark on it. Yeah. Um, the, for instance, in our area, it's $27.20 for an actual phone call, which is far better than you know $7 for a click, but you only get one out of 10 clicks, which means now it's $70 for a phone call. Um, mm -hmm. I'd rather pay the $27.20 for the phone call. Um, but when, when it enters into an area, if you're heavily dependent upon pay-per-click, your world's about to go to crap real fast because you're going to get less, um, opportunities on pay-per-click and the same amount of people are going to be bidding there, which is going to raise the cost of your pay-per-click. You're going to get diminished results. So you better start building a brand that people immediately recognize. Um, so you can end up in those map sections mm -hmm. um, and people are targeting and searching for you independently. Now, as you continue building a brand, you're going to have to start paying to protect that brand on Google as well yes. because your competitors will be bidding on your name as well. 100%. Yeah. And I get that. <laughs> and, and our marketing company bids on other competitors' names. Yep. And we've gotten calls before where they were like, I typed in 
XYZ company's name. Uh, how did I get your phone number? And I'm like, if I can quickly look on uh, Service Titan and I can see where the phone call came from, and it's like, oh yeah, that came from a Google ad. Yep. <laughs> and so yeah, the marketing company, you know, targeted that XYZ company's name, and you got us. And then we we wound up doing the work for them. So, are you doing anything with Amazon as of yet? I have registered with Amazon, but that's about as far as I've, I've taken it. Um, I kind of dropped it once the LSA stuff came out um, because I felt like Google was just going to rock Amazon's world whenever it finally came out. So um, I never got any calls from there. I, I, I did my whole listing and everything, but I never, I didn't pay for anything. So um, I didn't, I didn't really dive into it very much. Yeah, when um, I started the Amazon thing uh, with the old company, mm -hmm. and we got a couple of opportunities. Um, they weren't opportunities we wanted, though. Um, the the value that they were putting on our work wasn't anywhere near what we valued it at. Right. And I'm not sure when they're going to make that change and start figuring out that people can't afford to do things based off of their prices. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that if you haven't signed up for it, at least sign up for it and know what's going on in the market. Yeah. Um, the, the only way to be competitive in your market is to know what the competition is doing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you need to call every last one of them every day and ask them, you know, hey, you what's your price do, on this? You don't have to do what they do. Yes. Just know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that turns into the sometimes do the exact opposite. Exactly. If everybody's talking about how much money they can save on efficiency by replacing their AC unit, talk about how much time they can save on not sweating during the middle of the summer because they've been proactive with their AC. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and comfort. Yes. You know, move away from efficiency, go to comfort. You know, totally. I agree 100%. Yeah, tankless water heaters for the longest time were sold off of efficiency. And that's the biggest lie that there is. Um, oh, yes. In our market, it, to convert from a gas tank to a gas tankless water heater, you will never get your money back out of it. Mm -hmm. um, the, the house we're, we're standing in right now that I bought on Monday, we have a gas, 50-gallon uh, natural gas uh, B-vent water heater in the garage. When that thing goes out, another B-vent will go in there. It does not make any economical sense. I'm a licensed plumber. I can do all the work myself. I can get everything at cost. does not make any sense from an economic standpoint for me to convert that gas tank to a gas tankless. Um, now, if it was an electric tank, I would put in a gas tankless. If it was a power vent or a, a uh, direct vent, I would potentially put in a tankless. But being a B vent, absolutely not. And the problem is, is that all of our competition was saying, hey, if you wanna save money, put in a tankless water heater. And every last one of them forgot to tell people about the maintenance involved. Half of them never got an isolation valve hooked up on them. So mm. we come back a couple of years later, they're having an issue, and we tell them, hey, we can't flush it, we can't maintain it, we can't do anything. Um, here's where it has to start. And now all of a sudden, they're really mad at the people who installed it originally, because again, they were looking at saving money. Mm. Turns out they didn't save any money. Right. So talk about the, the misnomers that are being sold out there. Answer the unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, let's let's take a 14 sear unit versus a 25 sear unit. Um, in your market, a 25 sear unit that's installed incorrectly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's probably putting out 14 <laughs> sear. Um, well, it, even if it was installed correctly, yeah. in your market, how long would it take for somebody to actually get to a break-even point? Probably to the point to where it needs to be replaced. Yeah. So what did they say? Not a penny. I mean, the comfort is what they got. Yeah. And that's that's what you really have to you know, like you said, uh, for years that's what they've been. We they've always pushed that, and I've gotten my guys to where like when you talk sear rating, don't talk sear rating. Don't compare. Don't try and compare sear rating as if you're comparing apples to apples because we're comparing comfort. You're trying to compare savings, and uh, most likely, if you're not being unrealistic, you're lying to the customer. You know, because I've I've seen those charts where it's like three years save, three years for payback, and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe three years, maybe I doubt three years. But at that point, if you were the AC contractor and you were putting it in yourself and not paying yourself labor, and you're buying it at cost, you know, 
but even at that, I don't see a three-year buyback or payback um, on a high-efficiency system because the price is high on those units. Yeah. So, so the if if everybody's talking about saving money, uh, talk about the other benefits of it. Mm -hmm. um, we just had a pure air system put in, indoor air quality system put into this house. Um, not because it helps to add value to the home for resale, but because it's going to help to add value to us when we rent it out. Mm -hmm. We're going to turn this into a pet-friendly uh, uh, rental property, and by having that indoor air quality system, it's going to assist us with renting it out in between uh, to the next renter who may not have pets, or let's say instead of dogs they had cats, or instead of cats they had dogs. They don't have to smell the previous animal. Exactly, um, and that's what you should you you want to tell people benefits and not sell them on, for lack of a better term, falsehoods. Um, I'm yeah. just going to call them what they are. Yeah. If you think you're going to, to save money from one system to another, chances are you're probably not or your buyback's going to be so long. The average person only lives in a home seven years. Exactly. Um, so you're telling me it's going to take 12 years to get my money back out of, out of it? Hopefully the thing lasts 15 years, but <laughs> I'm only going to live in it an average of seven years? To me, that's a, that's a bad play. That's a poor investment for sure. So, no, I, I agree with that 100%. So, you're ready to go. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> Actually, 47 minutes. We've been talking. <laughs> uh, so, on the, the social media side, um, whenever you come up with your ads, you try and I know this, but some people may not. So your goal is, is your goal is to not um, bombard them with offers. I mean, you mentioned that a little bit in the groups, but even on your ads, mentioning um, creating fun ads that aren't super selly. Yes. How do you how do you do that, and how do you do that consistently, and how how do you know when it's time to pull the trigger? Is it like the uh, Gary V jab jab right hook type thing or I'll be honest with you I just put them out when I see the opportunity okay. um, like pollen season um, I know pollen season's coming up I'm playing I'm going to prepare for pollen season and I'm, I'm a procrastinator I am the best procrastinator you will ever meet you think you're good no not even close <laughs> um, so I really have to work hard at remembering that hey these things are coming up and start planning for them ahead of time um, but realistically, it's just about opportunity. As soon as I see an opportunity, I'm going to put something out. Um, how many ads do you put out a day or a week? Um, anywhere or post, not necessarily paid ads, but just uh, post two to four. Okay. So you're putting out that many now. Yeah. Are you rotating? Are you, are you rotating any of them back into very rarely? Okay. Um, because I'm under the belief that if I've seen it before, then I need new content. So what about, what about this? Um, I know based off of listening and reading that uh, most of our posts are getting about organically about a 4% uh, engagement rate or, or viewer rate um, for the people that even like our page. Yeah. If What is the chance if they don't see it um, and you can repost it and then they may see it that time? Well, if you're, if you're putting out, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. If you're putting out basic, boring garbage, yeah. that's what you're going to get because no one's engaging with it. Okay. The more people engage with it, the more Facebook will organically show it. Okay. Facebook is all about user experience. Yeah. If the user likes something um, and enough people keep uh, commenting upon it. Commenting on it and sharing. So it's almost to the point to where like, if you do have a troll that may be making jokes, but they are engaging with it, it's almost beneficial just to leave those comments on there. Yes. Okay. Um, our post, uh, probably an average of three to 5,000 people see our post organically. Um, and that's done through a couple different ways. One is putting out better content and quality content. Um, and number two, sharing it immediately. Um, we'll start on your sharing, personal page. Uh, no, no local groups. Oh, in local groups. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Cause you, you, you that's how you really, yes. um, utilize the. Facebook. Okay. We'll start uh, sharing with local groups where that has its own engagement, but still gives credit back to the original post. And that's what helps to drive the amount of views in which we get. So when you do share it and they like the share, the original post doesn't actually get liked, does it? Um, depends on how, depends on if they clicked on the, the mm. post itself or if they just, it. 
if they just did the the quick the scroll to yeah. right through it. And, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the trick is we will utilize some things year over year. Okay. Yeah. Um, but again, we're going to try to say it in a different way. Like our pollen ad last year is different than our pollen ad this year. Do you keep those in a file? Like you file them. I don't think you paid year. attention to this. I know you I said you're progressive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, the ownership has uh, has gotten very annoyed that um, if you look at my desk, it looks like a tornado went over there, and I have my own little set of organized confusion. Um, but no, um, I'm very much. I I'm not sure if it's ADD or what. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as I use it, um, then I'll it's just, gone. It's well, somewhere. It's sitting on the computer somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not looking to file it away. Do you? Um, so with these posts, so we're running at like an hour here. Sorry. Uh, but the the I guess that's the last thing I'll ask on this. Um, whenever you're creating your post, are you doing this in like? Obviously, you're not doing it in clip art or something like that. Are you, are you using a program like, um, I don't know, Photoshop or um, I use Adobe uh, Spark Post because it can, you, it, everything automatically brands. So if you see our Instagram, it always has Icebound in the lower right or the lower left. And um, it automatic, so when I put it in the Spark Post, the image automatically puts the logo there and it automatically puts the font so it's the same every time and it's the same color and everything. Is that something that you do? When I first started, I, uh, I would use like a Meme-Matic or a Canva. Um, and okay, since Canva. then, I've gotten a Madison and an Eric. Um, and <laughs> I tell Eric what my idea is. Um, Eric is smart enough to um, he's a he's a designer, mm -hmm. so he keeps the fonts the same, he keeps the colors the same, he finds all of that consistency, and all he does is I send him over what it is that I'm looking for. I try to explain it as best I can. Um, oftentimes, I'll give him a phone call because I don't know how to write out exactly what it is I'm trying to say. He'll send me over something. Most of the times, it'll take one or two revisions, and we'll put it out there. The you want to find somebody who can handle what it is that you need and pay them quickly mm -hmm. because the it's funny I was talking to the uh, television station and they were saying you know hey how quickly would your guy get this back to you I was like typically in less than an hour they're like really that fast I was like yeah we pay them and we pay them quickly mm -hmm. um, don't put your vendors on the back burner on the back burner yeah. the same as you don't want to be on the back burner yeah and the people that pay me first they're getting first services yes. yeah um, so now I'll send him over something and then he'll send it back to me and he'll send it back in a Yelp uh, file, a Google My Business file and a Facebook file. That way I can automatically have them sized for exactly what I need. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's a piece of, yeah, a piece of cake. And then that, get, that frees me up time to do what I do, which is scroll around and look for the next idea, mm -hmm. um, as well as create uh, television commercials and other uh, videos that we need because I know where I'm weak mm. and I know where I need to have somebody else do something for me. And that's a big, that's a, that's a very strong comment. We need to like revisit there uh, because as a business owner, it's very, very hard to say that and do that and implement it. And the thing about it is, is like you, you like hire a bookkeeper, $500 a month and a remote bookkeeper and you're like well i can put this stuff in the in the quickbooks online it's a piece of cake but what would 500 dollars? i mean yes 500 dollars is expense you're just starting out uh, but it's not something that you're an expert in and you can pay an expert 500 dollars, and you can make a thousand dollars when you're paying them 500 dollars. Uh, which whenever it comes to having hiring somebody like that and outside a va or something like that uh, it's very nice to be able to like, sure, I could send all these emails out, but if I sent this VA, just this list and okay, tell each person all of these things and they type it all up, cost you $5, but saved you two hours worth of work. You know, it's, it's weird having that. It's, it's the, it's a conversation that comes up all the time. Like I'm doing everything. Yes, but you don't have to do everything. Pay money to free up your time. Yes, but I'm, Paying time to get more money is, is, the, is the concept that people think of 
most of the time. But in reality, if you just spent a little money, you could have a lot more time to make more money to spend it. Well, it, it's really simple. If you don't enjoy doing it, quit doing it. Why fight the inevitable? Um, I suck at actually creating, you know, like drawing mm -hmm. or, or anything of that nature. I'm terrible at it. Um, why am I going to frustrate myself, put out a less than quality uh, imagery, waste more time instead of doing other things that are productive? Um, the easiest way for me to describe this is, uh, let me ask you this. Do you mow your grass? I actually do mow my grass. Okay. Do you enjoy mowing your grass? Um, I don't dislike mowing my grass. Okay. It's a peaceful time for me. Okay. We have 250 acres, so I can just pick and choose where I mow. There you go. <laughs> when I was a kid, I mowed grass all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now an adult, and I've decided I don't like mowing grass anymore. <laughs> the same as I don't like working on cars anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not good at it. It's not something that I want to do. So my wife tells me I'm lazy for not mowing the grass, and I had to explain to her. The grass guy charges us $60 for... Uh, to come every two weeks, $120 a month. We were, we were basically charging $200 an hour in order to do work on a Saturday. Right. So that two hours on a Saturday is worth $400 to me, plus the after hours fee, plus the markup on materials, plus the <laughs> ability to give that wow service to a customer. So why in the hell would I spend two hours on a Saturday mowing my grass that I don't like doing when I can spend that time either making a lot more money or most of the time as we get really busy, we don't have a lot of family time. It somehow it gets pushed to the back burner because mm -hmm. we, we make business such a priority that I get that two hours back with the family. Mm -hmm. So you tell me what's more valuable. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. But, but getting that across uh, as a new business owner and you see in your budget, it's, Sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow. Oh, as a new business owner, you've got time most of the time because yeah. you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of business. Yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good so point. when I would say in the first year, you need to understand as many hats as possible. Not necessarily you have to do them all. Definitely get a good accountant or a good bookkeeper, um, but you need to understand them all as best you can. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, start figuring out who fits what you want the best. Yeah, and on that note, if you need help with any of that stuff, reach out to your local SBDC, um, so your small business development um, council, or your SCORE mentors. Like those are two free resources. There's all kinds of free resources in the government that uh, you can take full advantage of, or nonprofits, local nonprofits, and uh, they will help explain your profit and loss sheet. So if you do have an accountant and you're looking at it like, what does that line mean? And what does that line mean? Why are there, why are there lines and why are there still numbers afterwards? And, you know, uh, understanding all of that is, you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be a CPA, but you can understand whether that's a good number or a bad number. Yeah, Reeve Conover is the SCORE mentor that I used here locally. Cool. Um, he was actually part of our the referral group that I was a part of. Um, that's another thing, hop in a referral group. Mm -hmm. um, SCORE is fantastic. And he's the one that really brought to my mind or brought to my eyes all the things that I was doing wrong in business. I was profitable. I had a great reputation. People liked me. My phone rang a bunch. I was still doing it wrong. And he helped me to see how much of it that I was actually wasting. Um, and if nothing else, opportunity costs that I was wasting. If I'm going to be busy, I need to be profitable. I don't need to be busy just to be busy. Mm -hmm. And um, SCORE is a, is a fantastic resource. And I, I'm pretty sure it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, it's nationwide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely a, a great resource. Yeah, yeah. Check, check out SCORE. And uh, tell them that Tersh and Adam sent you. Um, yeah. So we don't get anything for it. but They don't charge anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, the people who, who do it volunteer. Yeah, um, they're all 100% volunteers. They're, most of them are retired yeah. uh, C-suite guys. I'm talking like CEOs, CFOs of sometimes Fortune 500 companies. Um, and they, these people know what they're talking about. And sometimes you'll, they'll, they'll talk to you and it'll just make your mind blow. It's crazy. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me come by and, and check out your, your new awesome house. Uh, and you're going through this construction. Um, and I appreciate you taking some time and sharing all this with everybody. And uh, if somebody does have questions for you still, we jumped around on a lot of stuff. We could try to stay pretty consistent with social media and some SEO. Um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Facebook. 
Um, that's going to be the number one way um, because that allows me the opportunity to immediately ask them, hey, send me, uh, let me see your page. Because mm. um, the first thing people ask is, hey, what is it that I can do better? Well, I don't know what you're doing yet. Right. Until I know what you're doing, I can't give you comments upon what it is that I would do differently. Uh, but yeah, just reach out to me on Facebook, you know, Adam Flaherty. It's funny because most people see the last name, they don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, I for the ever said flattery. Yeah. It, it, it's perfectly fine, but that's the other thing I did in business. Adam. My entire business was Adam. Yeah. To this day, people still call a telephone number we haven't advertised in over a year and say, hey, can I talk to Adam? Because <laughs> I learned people do business with people. And so Adam. I don't say Mr. Blissett, uh, if that's how you pronounce it correctly. I say Tersh. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep it as direct. Um, Very much so. I, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, put a face to it. <laughs> But it's a pleasure, and uh, yeah, if yeah, anybody buddy. has any questions, they can feel free to reach out. I'll be happy to help them any which way I can. Cool. Thank you so much, bud. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or have any show ideas. Uh, I'd love to hear feedback on this interview and any interview that you may have heard uh, over the, the series my email is tersh at icebound.us. That's my work email. Um, and also tersh at bluecollarroots.com. Uh, that's typically my podcast email. I get both of them to my phone, to my desktop. So I tend to reply as soon as possible. You will notice that I do have an autoresponder if you do email me because I like to ha make sure that I am as efficient as possible. So I try to check my emails only twice a day. As any other business owner will attest, you, know, you fall into that trap of as soon as you hear your phone ding, you pick it up and it could be an email that you don't need to be looking at. Uh, it could be a time waster. A time suck is what it's called a lot of times. But anyways, if you do have a question, feel, please feel free to call me or reach out to me um, at any time. And I will be more than happy to take a minute and uh, share my knowledge with you or connect you with person that you need to be connected to if you got some value out of this episode i please ask that you share it with your friends uh, feel free to share it on facebook or linkedin or instagram or anything like that um, and then leave a review if you if it's worth a five-star review please please let us know i'm uh, always reading those those reviews and I'm, I'm super stoked whenever we get new reviews well until next time thank you for listening to the service business mastery podcast the podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and service technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. We'll talk again next week.